quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. I'm Michelle, recovering yeller, control freak, and perfectionist. I didn't want to be a connected parent, but my strong and smart oldest daughter would not succumb to my bribes, threats, and manipulations. After years of controlled parenting, I threw it all out and started over. I doubled down on the idea of connected parenting and turned in time out for time in. It's taken me years to figure out how to unknot sticky situations without using punishments, but I've finally cracked the code and now I can help you create the relationship with your child that you dreamt of having when you first decided to become a parent. It's not easy letting go of star charts and bribes, but you can change. Listen in as we interview parents just like us who found success and hear from experts who will help us better understand how to form a deep bond with our children. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle and I have a guest with a question today and her name is Liz and she's calling in from halfway across this country and I just want her to introduce herself and then we're going to dive into her parenting question. So welcome to the show, Liz. Hi, thank you. I'm Liz. I am from over here in the East Coast. I have two girls, one just turned five and the other is almost eight and I'm a stay-at-home mom, so we have lots of togetherness going on. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of togetherness, and that can be amazing, and that also can be very challenging, right? (laughs) Okay, Liz, what's one thing in your world that's going well today? Summertime. We are just soaking up the rainy (laughs) summer that we've been having, but I'm really loving the summer. So nice. It's so nice not to have to get up in the morning. Yeah. I hate that. Getting out the door. Yeah. I hate that too. I want to just get up and chill. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say something that's going well in my world. My girls are of the age now where they're so much more self-sufficient and I'm like, I'm kind of loving it. I hate to say that. I really do miss when they were little, but like my older one, I said, I have to go to this meeting this afternoon. Oh, it's okay. Mom, we'll figure out our food. I was like, Oh, This is next level mom in it. You're going to figure out your food. I like that. Figure it out. This is great. So I'm kind of enjoying their independence. So that's been good. So Liz emailed in with a parenting question and with her permission, I'm just going to read it so that we can get an idea of where she's coming from. Then we're going to kind of dive into some things that we think we could 
maybe change or think about that might help her have some more success with her two girls. So this is what she says. She says, I have two daughters, nearly five, nearly eight. My older daughter is generally easygoing and thrives off of connection. My younger daughter is quite challenging. I feel like I have really tried to change my parenting approach since she's been here. We quickly learned that timeouts, punishments, taking things away, et cetera, do not work for her. Since I'm a stay-at-home mom, we spend a lot of time together, play together and give one-on-one attention. We could do more intentional special time though. Despite my efforts, she's still quite strong-willed and uncooperative. She is quick to react in frustration when things don't go exactly as she thought they would. She's unagreeable when playing with her sister. She ignores and oftentimes straight up defies my husband and I, when we ask her not to do something, I'm exhausted and feel lost. I just want her to be happy kid. I know she is inside help. Oh, that's so sad and so sweet and so common. I think you're frustrated and I get it. And I think strong-willed kids can push us to our limits Mm -hmm. and it makes everything that much harder. And I think that's probably where we should start. Like we already know she's hard knowing that we have to expect that things with her are going to be hard and they're going to be different than they are with her sister. I think that's it too. Like we get this dichotomy where we have a kid that's more agreeable or quote unquote easier And we don't understand why the other one isn't, but sometimes they just aren't. And actually those kids end up being good advocates for themselves, good advocates for their friends. They end up being leaders. They end up doing a lot of incredible things, but in the meantime, we have to parent them. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Which is hard, but I think just expecting her to be different is a good way to kind of go into it. Like she's just going to be a little more difficult mm-hmm. and she's going to need more parenting than maybe her sister does. So that's one thing I'd say that helps me with Esme. Esme is really strong-willed and very difficult at times. And she needs more. What I found though, which I didn't really realize is that it actually much of it is a cry for connection. Okay. And they just cry differently then the more easygoing kid, they're not going to come up to you and say, I need it. They might just lash out. And that's the way they say they need it. So those behaviors tell us something. They're a message to us. And usually the message is, I need more connection. And sometimes it's so hard to give those kids more connection because the last thing you want to do is connect with a kid who's defiant and difficult and obstinate. Right. But I do think they need it. I can tell in times when she's the most frustrated or the most mad, what she really needs is a hug. Like that's what she actually needs, but it's the last thing she wants to accept. Absolutely. So I completely understand that. What really works for me and what really works for my ASME is play. And it's become my go-to. And really with those kids, because I think the highly spirited kid is also can be the highly sensitive kid. And so when we reprimand or correct or otherwise tell them they're doing the wrong thing, they get really hurt and their hurt can come out in anger and fear and in mean ways. So what's helped me with Esme is to really lean into play. And when she says something that I don't like, I say, oh, oh, I'm going to come over there and you're going to get kisses. You're going to get hugs. 
that's it. I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping until you get, she's like, don't touch me. I don't want you to touch me. And then I'll just put one little finger and I'll say, can I just touch your shoulder right here? Just one little, no, don't please let me. Oh, I need to, I need to be with you. I need you so much. And I really play into that. And I kind of don't let it go. I don't give her hugs and kisses if she doesn't want it, but I just stay in close and ask if I can put one tiny finger on, can I touch your pinky? Can I touch your wrist? Eventually she breaks and she allows me to, but I don't give up. I stick in there with the play. And even when she tells me, no, I respect her body boundary, but I don't stop trying to connect. Okay. And I can say things to like, ah, I want to do a staring contest with you right now. And because your girls are littler, it will totally, the little one's five. Yeah. Yeah. So much easier actually. Cause you can be like, stop everything. Don't even say anything about the poor behavior or the refusal to do something. If she refuses to do something, like I think you said in the email, mm-hmm. I would just be like, do you want to do a thumb war? Do you want to do a staring contest? And just stop everything and do that. And then return to your request. Okay. So connect and then request. Yeah. And I think that I don't know what's happening when she does things that are wrong. There's not consequences or any of that stuff. No, because nothing works, but really nothing. Yeah. Nothing. We tried every consequence just in desperation and nothing works. So we just don't do them. She's getting away with things, which I don't want to put it that way, but it just feels that way because then her sister sees her getting away with things and we're in a bad cycle. Yeah. So if you take being in trouble off the table, meaning no matter what she says, no matter what she does in your mind, she's not in trouble and she's not getting away with it. And you can only not be getting away with it if you're not in trouble. So when we take that off the table and all, and both kids see that, then there's no reason for anyone, like the sister won't be upset because she's expecting her to be in trouble. Right. And so if there's no trouble to get in, then no one has to feel shame. No one has to feel like they've done something wrong. Instead, we let the thing that's gone wrong, like the defiance. Do you have an example of asking her not to touch something? Or like there was a piece of paper. I had written some notes and they were on the coffee table in the living room. And just for no reason, she just went in there and tore them up. And what was your reaction? I asked her, I didn't get mad because what was the point? She had already torn them up. So I just, why did you tear these up? She was like, I don't know. I just wanted to. Okay. And her sister was like, she tore them up. That was yours. She tore them up. So that probably tells us something, right? Was she left alone for a while? Was she not engaging? Had there been a while since you guys had done some sort of connection piece? It could have been. I mean, they were just playing in the playroom. Mad at her sister. Something could have happened. I mean, it's probably, I mean, I don't know, but she's so little, she probably doesn't know, but I would come in and be like, Oh, oh, that little girl who tore up my picture is going to get a hug now because now not only are you telling her you don't want her to do it, but you're coming with connection, but you're also telling the sister, I'm not mad at her. I'm not going to get in trouble. I don't want you to be thinking that she's in trouble either so that we can neutralize this whole, like, if you do something wrong, everyone should be upset. Okay. So I think I might try play a bunch as many times. Like if you made it, you're committed to it this week to every time she does something quote unquote wrong, 
to come with play. And then after the week thinking, how do you feel about it? How did it play out? What was her reaction? How are you feeling? How's the sister reacting? Just kind of analyze that whole idea of doing something wrong. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. We just want to take the sting out of it. Not that she's right. And we're not letting her get away with it. We are giving her connection in moments where she needs it. She's saying to you, connection. So I'm going to rip up this paper to get negative attention because I know I can get that. Yep. So let's try to give her positive attention and connection when she does something that's off track. Okay. Makes sense. It does. It does make sense. Okay. Let's talk about the sibling dynamic. How is the sibling dynamic? Did you take my sibling course? I didn't take your sibling course. It's tricky to tell because this has been such a different time. I mean, we have spent so much time together that I think their sibling dynamic a year and a half ago compared to their sibling dynamic now is really different. They lean on each other so much for companionship. They just end up, you know, fighting part of the time. But I feel like overall, they get along really well. They do fight. And the younger one does become quite unagreeable at times. And she's definitely the boss in the relationship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my older one gets jealous when the younger one gets to spend any amount of time with me where Mm -hmm. she's not, the older one is not included. Okay. Do you do special time with the older one? We aren't the best about calling it special time. We do play together, but we used to set the timer and do all of that. COVID just kind of <laughs> ruined everything in your whole life. Yes, yes basically. <laughs> well, I would say that special time might be especially good for your oldest to be able to have time alone with you because the oldest often are really jealous. It will also help the sibling relationship because if the older one seems like she might be calling the younger one out on her off-track behavior, trying to get her in trouble. Sounds like trying to get you on her side. But if you spend that concentrated time with your oldest, it will give her that boost in your relationship. And it will give her more ability to have some compassion for her younger sister because her whole brain will be working. So when we connect with our kids, the prefrontal cortex becomes engaged and that's the reasoning center. And so if they're feeling good about our relationship, then that prefrontal cortex stays engaged. And so they can have better thinking skills and reasoning skills. And that translates to their sibling relationship too. So the more connected we are to them, the more connected they can be because that they can do better because our relationship is better. So I think, I mean, you should do with both of them, but especially for the oldest, it might give her an extra boost in momminess. Okay. Are you looking for ways to parent without yelling or threatening? Do you crave to understand connection and how to use it in everyday practice with your children? Is remaining calm a challenge and staying away from shame hard? I can be helpful. I've been there and I've also helped so many parents overcome their parenting challenges with my one-on-one programs of either six, eight, or 10 weeks. We dive into what's specifically difficult in your own family, and I tailor ways to help you remedy them using connection instead of conventional parenting methods. 
go to www.peaceandparentingla.com forward slash private hyphen sessions and find out more about my private one-on-one courses. I'd love to see you there. What other things? How do you deal with, so the younger one, this comes out of her mouth a lot. This has been the worst day ever. So we had her birthday party, which was a great birthday party. We celebrated her every, she got gifts, whatever. And then like one thing goes wrong and that's her go-to is this is the worst day ever. This has been awful. You just ignore it. It hurts. How do you respond to her? Usually I just try to ignore it. Okay. I would say 90% of the time I ignore it. Sometimes I say, well, this is the worst day ever. Gosh, I can't even imagine. (laughs) Yeah. What a really bad day would be. What would a really, really bad day be like if this was so bad? I don't know. I think it just frustrates me. Why do you think it frustrates you? Yeah, let's go there. Well, because, you know, you're working your butt off. (laughs) A lot of effort into making sure that every single day of their lives is fun. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's too. When I was a stay at home mom, I got a lot of resentment. I think. And I took everything personally because I was like, I've dedicated my life to you. I made breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I curate play dates for you. Make amazing birthday parties. Make sure that all the holidays are celebrated and you have everything that you want. And you still treat me like this. And I think that's one of the hardest things about being a mom and also being a stay-at-home mom is that we work so hard on our kids. And when they don't appreciate it, we take it very personally. And rightfully so. Right. And I know she's five. Like I'm not, I know she doesn't have that ability, but hearing like, this was the worst day ever. And it's just the, that's that go-to. I'm like, can you say like, I'm really mad. (laughs) No mom, this is the worst day ever. The whole day that you planned is terrible. It's all your fault. You've done nothing (laughs) right. But that's, Mm -hmm. I think what we, and all our whole goal is we want to make a beautiful day for you. And then you tell me it's the worst day ever. Well, Why should I even try? Mm -hmm. I think maybe what might be helpful is to, well, first of all, make sure you're getting resourced, like getting yourself out of there when you can, Mm -hmm. even just putting a movie on and going in your room, doing some things for yourself to make sure because you're in summer, you're in COVID and you're staying home with the kids. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. And so where are you taking care of yourself? because that's a very important part of parenting. So that's something to think about. We can go back to that. And then the other part is, is that who knows where her, this is the worst day ever is coming from. It probably isn't her worst day ever. She probably doesn't even believe that, but she's trying to say the worst thing that she can possibly say, because that's how she's feeling right at that moment. And so when she says, this is the worst day ever, then I would just lean in with empathy. I would say, oh man, I'm sorry. This was such a hard day. It looks like you're having a hard time. I'm right here. I bet it will go away faster. She'll feel heard and understood. And she might be able to get back to appreciating what was going on in the day. And maybe she's mad about something else, but she's using this moment to process it. Maybe she's using this moment to get out something old, but I would just give her empathy and empathize with her. Cause you could be validating some old stuff too. Right. Now let's get back to the self-care for mommy. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What is mommy doing for herself? Hmm. These days, 
yeah, I can't say there's been much. <laughs> well, we got to change that. Yeah. You got to schedule yourself sometime, somehow. Are you married? Yes. So if your husband can take the kids on Saturday afternoon and you can do something, I don't know. I don't know if you can every Wednesday and Friday mornings, put the movie on and read, take a walk, whatever it is. Yeah. Something for yourself and saying to like, you know what? Guess what? We're having pizza tonight. I'm ordering it. I'm not doing the laundry. I don't care. We're letting it all stack up. You can stay up late. I don't care. Sometimes the path of least resistance causes less resentment Mm -hmm. to just be easy on yourself. I've definitely noticed myself doing that, letting the laundry pile up a little bit more. Good, as you should. (laughs) Not not tidying up nearly as much as I used to. Yeah, it's no reflection of who you are if you're not the perfect stay-at-home mom. It really isn't. And if your kids aren't perfect and don't act perfect and it doesn't look like the way we think it should in our own head, that's okay. But I think for me, when I am resourced, when I take time for myself first. So in my schedule for each day, I allot my time first, then the kids time, because Mm -hmm. if I don't, I know I'll be resentful. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. I used to, I've just really gotten out of the routine of doing that and I can feel it. Yeah. And you deserve it. It's a lot of work to raise two kids. It's a lot of work and one strong-willed one. That's like having three regular ones. <laughs> it totally is. Okay. So we got to all of those. What other kinds of things? I don't know. I think I feel like if we get there, would we get it I all? I feel like that was pretty much everything. I mean, if there are things that keep coming up, I don't know, like she won't sleep in her bed. She wants to sleep in the hallway. I mean, I don't really care if she sleeps in the hallway. I don't really understand it. <laughs> yeah, but, let's dive in there for a second. Okay. She was mad. So she just turned five. She had her crib until she was four. And it was like turned into a toddler bed. We surprised her with a really cool bed for her birthday last year. And she's still holding the grudge that we got rid of her crib without asking. So she's mad about that. So she still does not want to sleep in this very cool bed that we got her. She sleeps in the hallway. And we've tried to do everything. I don't tell her she can't sleep in the hallway. I tell her she can fall asleep in the hallway and then I'll put her in her bed when I go upstairs, which I do, but she won't go to bed in her bed. <laughs> Interesting. And so you bring her in her bed every night? hmm Okay. What if you set the limit and said, you have to go to sleep in your bed tonight, honey? Huge tantrums just won't back down. So maybe that's where we need to stick in. So usually when we can't sleep, all of us, it's emotional. We have something that's bothering us and who knows for her what it is, but something's bothering her enough that she needs to either be near you guys or see you guys or something so that she can fall asleep using that hallway. I don't know why she picked the hallway. This is a very interesting one, but kids pick all kinds of things. This same thing happens with pacifiers and blankies in the parents' bedroom and whatever. They use something as a pacifier to help get them to sleep because their emotions are keeping them awake or not allowing them to rest. She probably needs to have those big tantrums, which is not going to be fun, which wouldn't be fun. You don't have to tackle it, but if you wanted to, 
you could set the limit with her and get her into her bed. And then what I used to do when my kids would have big tantrums, I would sit my back against the wall and then I would let them just tantrum in their room. And knowing that she's going to do this for probably an hour or more, moving bedtime really early so that you can have time to do this, making sure you're resourced, making sure you're ready for it and let her have these huge tantrums. And then once she calms down, then saying, okay, are you ready to go in your bed? Okay. And just coming with, I know it's hard. I know you like the hallway. I get it. It's not about that, but just to be there, I'm going to be here with you. I will never leave you when you're upset. I know this is really hard. And just to keep her in her room, she might try to hit you. She might try to kick you. She might try to do things. You back up, you use pillows. You try to get anything out of there that you think is unsafe, put it up and make it as safe as you can. But I think she needs to have a big tantrum. Okay. This will also likely help with her other behaviors because what's going to happen during this tantrum is your empathy is going to be deep connection. And so you're going to form this deep connection with her during this tantrum. And that's going to help her stay engaged, her prefrontal engaged. That's going to help her do better in her other relationships. One's with her sister, one's with you going to help with cooperation. It's going to help with all kinds of things because she's offloaded whatever's bubbling below the surface Mm -hmm. and whatever bubble is bubbling below the surface is coming out as uncooperative behavior, as obstinance, as ripping up the paper, as all these other things, because she needs to have a big tantrum likely. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. She was sleeping in our bed. And then she wouldn't stop touching things in our room. So we did, we did set the limit on our, our room and she was okay with that because now she's in the hallway. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh. that makes sense. Okay. So you got her to the hallway. Congrats. Now let's take her to the bed. Okay. But be prepared for four or five nights where she's tantruming a lot. And if you get to a point where it's like, I, you've been there for an hour and a half and she still won't calm down and you can't do it anymore. Then you say, okay, fine. You can sleep in the hallway, but then you try again the next night and you keep trying and you keep trying until you can get her in there. And she has to do it on her own. She has to say, okay, I can go in my own bed. Now we want her to give you permission to leave and leave her in her bed. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for her to grant you permission to leave her in her bed. But after she's able to have all these big feelings. Okay. Make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It seems like that's where we should start then. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it might be a a bit much, but it could be very worth it. Okay. Don't give up on it too. If it takes a few days. Okay. Yeah. And then the play, the play in the daytime is going to be great too. I think just coming with affection and play when every time she's off track. Okay. And then also special time. Yes. Yes. We will be intentional with special time. And then also taking care of yourself. (laughs) <laughs> you only have one session. I got to get it all in Liz. I can't just leave you hanging with this one thing. I got to give everything. Taking care of mommy is priority number one. Okay. I'll start. All right. Yes. You should start with that. Please put a movie on tonight and order pizza and chill. Okay. I will do that. And think of me. My kids are making their own food. God knows what, but they're going to eat it. <laughs> That's crazy. A million years away from here. I know, right? I was like, I'm wait, I'm sorry. What did you say? You're going to make the food. Amazing. I have no idea. You don't know how to do anything, but this is very cool. 
Anything else? I think we've covered it. Okay. One appreciation, something that you appreciated from this call. One thing that you heard or that you said or that you're thinking that you might take into this next week with you and your parenting journey. Yeah, I think empathy. I think just really remembering the empathy before anything else is so important. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a really good one. Thank you, Liz. This was so lovely. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your family with us. And I hope that it was helpful. And it was I so helpful. Oh, good. I'm so glad. And I'm hopefully I'll see you in the online world. And thanks to everybody who's out there listening. Thanks for joining us on the Peace and Parenting podcast. And we will see you guys next time. <laughs>